0: Molly Carroll, what is your favorite game?
1: Hi, my favorite game is Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask.
0: Did you say hi? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just seemed it just seemed like I should say hi. <laughs> consoles growing up, I think the first one that I remember having was uh, the Sega Genesis, and it was my my siblings. Um, And I remember playing Pocahontas on the Sega Genesis, or Mega Drive if you will.
0: God, Pocahontas, that must have been like 1995, wasn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus.
1: (laughs) It was a great game, actually. Um, And also, I think there was Lion King and obviously Sonic. Um, and those were probably my first ones. Echo the dolphin as well, but that was just terrifying.
0: Oh God! How old were you playing Echo the dolphin?
1: Oh, I can't remember, but I remember not getting very far because it was just too eerie. It's too scary for me.
0: Scary Echo the dolphin.
1: Yes, it was. It was terrifying. Maybe it's like sort of a thalassophobic thing, where it's like just. Things under the ocean, but you're just this dolphin all alone, and all your friends get sucked up into this huge tornado, and you're just there, alone in the ocean, okay. some jellyfish and things. But okay, I, I, can
0: I can kind of see why now when you put it like that. But it yeah. it, it did feel like you were kind of selling it as if it was just your own version of PT as a child.
1: It it was. It was it was my <laughs> first horror game exactly the Dolphin. <laughs> um, <Uh-oh. laughs> And then from there, I think it was Silent Hill Four, so it was a bit of a leap, but. <laughs> bit of a cult of shock. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, I think in about nineteen, I mean nineteen ninety eight, all the, all the sort of classic games of, of, I think my generation started to come out uh Ocarina of time and. Uh, Metal, Pokemon. Yeah. Nights,
0: Metal Gear Solid.
1: Metal Metal Gear Solid. All those started to come out. So yeah, everybody was into Pokemon in my school and, and I, I, I was heavily into Pokemon myself and it just wasn't. sort of went from there. I mean, I think a lot of kids grew out of the whole uh, the games thing as they grew older, but I never really did. It was always a really big thing for me. And I always knew that I wanted to do something in games. I played a lot of I mean, it started out with just sort of Zelda. That was that was it for me for a while. It was, it was Zelda Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for, like, years, I think. Um, I got a lot of mileage out of those two games. But then going into the early 2000s, I found Final Fantasy X in a blockbuster. And I looked at the cover art and I thought, wow, that is something I've never... I've never seen anything like that before. It looks really pretty and uh, it's something different. And... So I picked that up, and for some reason I remember there's, there's the first, the very first boss that you fight in Final Fantasy X. You can't lose to it because it only casts demi, which only takes off a quarter of your health. But I kept dying somehow, like it just perpetually takes off a quarter, so there, it can't kill you. Um, but yeah, that, that that was my first sort of JRPG, and I kept. Uh, playing JRPGs after that, and sort of going into uh, free MMOs from there. Uh, so a lot of the the early two thousands for me was was playing JRPGs and free to play MMOs.
0: <laughs> what 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 kind of MMOs were you playing at that time? Um,
1: I played Ragnarok Online for a good deal of time. I played Guild Wars. Um, I never I never touched World of Warcraft for some reason, even though my username is a world of warcraft reference that i someone came up with that for me someone someone else gave me that name but i never played world of warcraft i played uh just all sorts of of random shit really if you went on if you went on sites like if you googled free to play mmos uh like back in like 2006 or 2007 you'd find just a list of so many that are just so forgettable (laughs) i can't remember really very many of them at all um but mainly I think it was Ragnarok Online. That was my main one because it had a lot of hats.
0: Ah. <laughs> I think I think these days now I think we can f- f- finally say uh, if you want to go somewhere for hats it's Team Fortress 2 or Ragnarok Online.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Ragnarok Online was the hat game before TF2 was the hat game.
0: <laughs> is, is um is Ragnarok Online actually still online?
1: I don't know. I think the first one still is. I I mean there's Ragnarok online two now, but I think I think they might still have the first game servers up because it's still it's still popular.
0: Ah, so it's basically kind of an EverQuest uh scenario where Maybe. Ah, okay.
1: They have made it last I checked which was probably a couple of years ago, they did make it free to play completely and uh they I don't know, they just added a bunch of random shit really. At uh... <laughs> I couldn't be
0: bothered. Ah, fair enough. No, I'm I'm just checking up on it now, just to see if it's still going. And it does seem like it is still going. Yeah, it's still going. It's nice for them.
1: It's <laughs> good for well I
0: guess I uh, I think on now. Um, no, it's um gravity. Oh,
1: it's still gravity, okay.
0: Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's still going. Hmm. Quite surprised by that. <laughs> Maybe when you put uh in the context of how old it is. Well, to be fair, EverQuest is what how how old is it now? Nearly twenty years old.
1: I don't know. I guess so.
0: Hmm. And that's still going as well. And they've got EverQuest next coming out, now. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I I thought uh, I never really played EverQuest, but then I was sort of interested in it when they got the whole thing with the the new thing with the facial recognition. Uh, so you can if you have a webcam and you are talking to your webcam, it's a bit like Face Rig, I think maybe.
0: Hmm. less uh, complex. Ah. <laughs> going further in, um, a game that we could talk about from the um, early part of this decade that you started playing as well recently, going by Twitter, is um, Mass Effect 2.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I actually only just started playing Mass Effect 2 recently. I played the first one um, when it came out years ago, but uh, I don't think I ever quite finished it I think it got very close to the end and what I tend to do with games a lot especially um years ago is just get to the end and then not finish them <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure where that came from but yeah uh so I am playing Mass Effect 2 and I'm really really enjoying it
0: who, who who are you romancing are you romancing anyone or
1: I'm not at the point where I'm quite romancing anyone yet I'm trying... I'm going to try to romance Garrus. (laughs) It's gotta be done.
0: I I said this to someone uh, recording their episode. Um, If you're romancing in a Bioware game, it's either going to be Garrus or Alistair if you're playing Dragon Age.
1: When I played Dragon Age, I I romanced Alistair. But then I was playing um, an elf female, and... I was only really romancing him so that I could become the queen. But then I learned it was actually quite complicated to be the queen if you're an <sighs> elf. The politics. I was quite angry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh dear! Oh dear! I,
1: I was I was using him to climb to A, the top. <laughs>
0: and it backfired on you, <laughs> like it should. <laughs> you don't use people for power. Oh,
1: it's Dragon Age.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, true. It is Dragon Age. And it is Bioware, more or less. Yeah. Um, have you played Dragon Age Inquisition at all yet?
1: No, I haven't played since the first game. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it well enough, but not enough to really continue, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. I'm always behind in series that I like. <laughs> I'm, I never play games when they come out. I, just, I play them years from when they come out, because I tend to go back to games that I like that are old a lot.
0: Like... Like, talk about that. What, why, what entices you to go back to these kind of older games?
1: Um, I guess just sort of, like, a comforting feeling playing them. Like, uh, with Majora's Mask, I always kind of give it a playthrough every once in a while because it just feels familiar. And I guess I'll get into that when we talk more about Majora's Mask. But then, I mean, games like Final Fantasy IX as well, they just feel very sort of... uh. It always feels a bit like going home when you play those games that you played when you were younger. And I guess it's, I don't know, it's I, I guess just the easiest thing to say is it's just nostalgic. And I like I like that feeling. And I, I just go back to them a lot because I like those environments and the characters. And it's the same reason why, um, even though the latter two Hobbit films aren't that great, I still like them because they're, they 're in middle Earth, and they 're comfortable to go back to because of those characters and that environment and just kind of going back to that world that kind of grabbed you and interested you mm. i, I don 't think i 'm making any sense but <laughs>
0: no 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 you 're making perfect sense i can actually okay. I can actually kind of slightly relate to that um, perhaps in the most um trivial of ways um, South Park rally um, which is kind of a massive Shift in tone from The Hobbit, admittedly, but still, um, is perhaps the worst game ever, or one of the worst games ever. But I still love it because because it because maybe and maybe this is a silly thing to say, but it's because of how rubbish it is. I actually love it anyway,s and that childish, stupid humor that I loved back in the day when I was. When did I first start playing Star Trek Rally? It was about 9, 10 years old. Like, even now, I, I can go back to it, and, like, it's aged not well, but I can go back to it, and it's still rubbish, but I love it hours.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Morrowind is a game that hasn't... Despite mods and everything, which do improve the graphics, like, drastically, uh, the mechanics and things haven't aged that well. And that's another one of my favourite games that I go back to quite a bit. Just mm. because... I, I love being in that world for a bit. I got into games through Twitter.
0: That's just uh, normal.
1: Yeah, you know, it's normal. Um, I had uh, followed a lot of gaming communities for a few years, and I was getting more and more into the community aspect of, of gaming. And I was looking into getting into community management, Um, and I had asked someone how how to go about that. And they said basically to just volunteer in sort of indie game communities or just sort of, you know, in in getting into the games industry in general, you just have to sort of uh, find a project to to help out with. Um, And so I found Starbound by chance. And I had sort of auditioned for uh, voice acting, which we never ended up putting in the game. Um, And I was really bad at it. But through through doing the voice acting, uh, I ended up moderating the forums and sort of working my way up to administrating them and just managing the community as a whole. And now I live in London, two and a half to three years later. (laughs)
0: Game then. Uh The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. Um so you mentioned uh you were playing Ocarina of Time obviously beforehand, like it was the kind of golden era for uh games at the time. Majora's Mask was kind of part of that. But um before before that came out, like were you in the series beforehand? It was um Ocar- Ocarina your first kind of foray into the series.
1: Ocarina was my first foray into the series because I was about seven when it came out, ah. um, and so I hadn't had much of a chance to play any of the other ones beforehand. Um, ah, fair,
0: yeah. n- f- fair enough. Like,
1: yeah.
0: how 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 did you find Ocarina of Time?
1: Okay, um, so, yeah, I, I spent loads of time playing Ocarina of Time. Um, I actually, it, it was my favorite game. Like. By far, for a very long time, I had a few games for the N64, and that was my favorite. And I just kind of remember coming home, uh, and very often I just sit in the living room and play that for hours. Even though uh, I didn't progress for a very long time past the Great Deku Tree, which is very very early in the game. Uh, it's the first. It's the first dungeon, um, and I just remember that I, I for some reason I just couldn't figure it out uh in my in my weird little seven year old brain, um, how how to get through that giant web that's in the floor in the center. And it's really obvious now. Um uh. but but I remember um there is a glitch for Ocarina of Time for the N sixty four where if you um went up to the the that's guarding the uh exit to the forest, um, and you tilted the cartridge like just so um you could glitch past him and okay. get into high roll fields. And I remember doing that and it was a bit useless because I wasn't equipped with any weapons and I couldn't really get much done. Uh I was a bit defenseless. But I, I was at least out in High Roll Field and I could see um what the rest of the game sort of had in store for me and I could explore and go to, like, Kakariko Village and things um, before I was supposed to be able to, and I thought that was really cool. And I think I think that was one of the things that really cemented, like, my, my childhood love of games, was just being able to do something like that and sort of beating the system.
0: <laughs> that kind of uh, small discovery kind of uh, makes for a kind of big impact on... Getting out the high rural fields.
1: Yeah. Um but I I don't know, I was never that interested in like it took me a very long time to actually be Accury enough time because I was never very interested in progressing. I just liked the world. I liked exploring as much as I could without actually doing the dungeons because I thought those were a pain in the ass <laughs> as a kid. Um they were a bit uh boring to me, whereas just sort of talking to all the people and seeing all of the sort of, all of the sort of scenarios and and the dialogue and everything that I could see without, actually doing any of the work, um, as I could, uh, that was my favorite part, I guess. And it was the same for Majora's Mask.
0: How long did it take you to finish uh, Ocarina?
1: I don't remember. I think I think it might have taken years. <laughs> <sighs> uh, just because I would I would come home and I would just explore the world and I would just sort of do the same things all the time I was it was almost like I was just visiting just visiting the characters in that world and then I would just be satisfied with it and stop I would actually um, when I did want to progress in the game I often went to Blockbuster and I was able to pick out a game and you know back, back when cartridges were a thing um, you could you could rent a cartridge and load up someone else's save because it was saved to the cartridge Um, so I used to rent Ocarina of Time sometimes, even though I already had it, so that I could load up someone else's save who was much further along than me and see what I could do with their stuff
0: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) hmm no, it's intriguing it (laughs) kind of gives you a further insight into um, other players' um, play styles and how they kind of explore, I've never really thought of it that way to be honest, (laughs) that's smart that's genius I'll give you that. Um, So, yeah. um, Around 2000, when Majora comes out. um, Like, like, can you remember there being much hype around Majora after Ocarina? I mean, like, obviously, Ocarina's been out for a while. It's been critically acclaimed. Obviously, with the use of Foresight, it's one of the best games of all time now. But, like, back in 2000, like, can you remember much of the hype for Majora?
1: I honestly don't remember the hype-up to Majora. I don't remember when or why I bought Majora's Mask or my parents bought it for me. I just remember that I, I had it.
0: <laughs> ah,
1: And uh, I remember after having it, I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> but I, I don't remember the lead-up. <laughs>
0: oh, fair enough. Um, so um, do you know of the story between uh, the team... Uh, behind Majora who were initially told to make a uh, kind of called uh, thing called the Ura Zelda, which is basically the Master Quest version of Ocarina of Time and Zelda Gaiden, which became Majora's Mask Do you know the story of how that came to be?
1: I don't think I've heard that story now
0: Well, I can tell you that story. Um, So this is a quote from an an Iwata asks in 2009, so six years ago. Um, This is from E.J. Enuma, so quote. As someone who has been in charge of the dungeons on Ocarina of Time, I just couldn't get that excited over making a flip side, which was the Master Quest version of Ocarina of Time, for them. I couldn't see it, sorry, I couldn't see it turning into a new Legend of Zelda either. But we've been told to make the Legend of Zelda. It isn't as though we could just say, I don't want to, and end it there. At that point, Shigeru Miyamoto gave us a trade-off. He said, if we could make a new Legend of Zelda game in one year, then it wouldn't have to be a flip side. So again, Master Quest of uh, Ocarina. <clears throat> at first, we had absolutely no idea what sort of thing we were supposed to make, and we just kept expanding our plans. Um, at that point, the, quote, three-day system, unquote, the idea of a compact world to be played over and over again, came down from Miyamoto-san and one other the director, Yo- Yoshiaki Koizumi. Um, we added that to the mix, and then finally, we saw this full substance of a Legend of Zelda game we could make in one year. But, the fact they actually got that out within a year or two from Ocarina of Time, like, um, like between like compared to now, between the wait between for ballpark, for example, let's just say um, Skyward Sword, that's four years ago this year, and now we're waiting yeah. for the Wii U version of Zelda. Um, that's a big turnaround for especially for a game that's just kind of gone massively three D. From Ocarina's perspective,
1: it is very impressive. I mean, it's impressive when, I mean, coming from the Starbound team, it's you kind of get an understanding of how long something can take. Um, And games take a long time to make, generally. And fair enough that they used, they reused most of the assets from Ocarina of Time, but still, it's such a well put together game that the turnaround is pretty impressive,
0: yeah. Let's touch upon some of the stuff that was mentioned in that quote I just um, read out. Um, more specifically, to begin with, um, the three-day cycle, the three-day mm. uh, setting of, of the game. Um, well, that's a that was a gameplay mechanic that happened. Um, how, how, how did you find that?
1: Um, I know that a lot of people really don't like it and find it kind of controversial. <laughs> oh,
0: really? <laughs> I uh, like, I rather not know that.
1: Yeah, I, everybody that I, most of the people that I know, when I tell them, um, my friends make fun of me actually about, for liking Majora's Mask so much because they, they think the three day cycle is a bit annoying. They make, it makes the game unnecessarily hard and, uh, and things like that. But I think it sort of provides a sense of urgency that adds to the story. Um, I really kind of enjoy it. I think that it's a bit misunderstood. Um because I think that people often when they play Majora's Mask they don't get far enough into it um before deciding that the 3-day cycle is a bit shit. Um and so they just sort of they write it off. Um but I think with with things like the the song of double time or the song of inverted time uh it makes it a lot Easier and uh, it makes it easier to grasp anyway, and it makes, um, it makes the actual mechanic itself a lot less daunting, while still providing the same sense of urgency that you get from from like a limited amount of time that you have to save this world. Uh, and I I also feel that it kind of makes um, it it makes the schedules of the NPCs. Like, even the most insignificant NPCs and the most insignificant insignificant events that happen in the game feel more uh, important and familiar because it's kind of nice just to go back every three days and visit them and know that they'll be there. It's, like, very consistent, and it kind of creates this tiny little um, familiar small-town feeling. Uh, and I kind of... I really like that. That's one of my favorite things about... Majora's
0: Mask. The reason why I say that kind of surprised me that people kind of when 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 you said uh, people kind of hated it, I was kind of taken aback because and the reason before that was when Majora's Mask three D was announced, like I I saw people kind of swoon. Well, not swoon, okay, maybe swoon was the wrong term, but they they I didn't exactly see hate, basically put yeah. it like that. So no um.
1: I mean, I think, obviously, it's a very well-loved game now. I just know a lot of people, um...
0: Oh, at the time? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and and even now, I know a lot of people who just don't like the mechanic very much and haven't given the game much of a chance because of it.
0: Um, you mentioned the Saturn itself just then, <laughs> um... Tremina, um, which is a kind of... Well, not so much kind of as it is a kind of, um... A change from high rule. Um, yeah. it, you said it yourself, it gives that small time feeling. um... But um, what else is it about Termina that you love about the game?
1: Um, well, I love that they they managed to create this sort of very small but charming and sort of deeply eerie world. And it felt very different from any other Zelda game that had been created so far. Um, it feels different from every other Zelda game still. It just stands out. Um, and it's, it's a bit... Uh, it's a bit eerie in, like, a sort of David Lynchy way. And growing up, it makes sense now to me that I love Majora's Masks as, as much as I do because, uh, as an adult, David Lynch is my favorite director. So <laughs> I guess I kind of just like that sort of creepy, creepy vibe. Ah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think they managed to fit in a lot of things that just all of the characters tied together. Everybody in the game had their own sort of problems and they had their own schedules, they had their own agendas and they had, even if you couldn't help solve their problems, they were still made apparent sometimes in like sort of uh, ways that weren't so obvious. Like one of my favorite examples is you know, do you remember the uh, Deku Butler?
0: I've actually not played the game. I'm just going through notes, ah. so I can't really talk. Although, that said, I should probably pick up the 3ds version now.
1: Should I haven't actually bought it yet either, um, uh, just because? I mean, I've played the game a lot of times. Uh, I'm, not in a, I'm not in a massive rush to get really back. It.
0: Yeah, get back into it.
1: Yeah, although I do, I do really want the 3ds version. Um, but there is a character that you meet. Um, oh, now I feel like I'm going to spoil it for you, though. No,
0: go for it. I'm, I'm fine. I'm i more or less doing anything than it was... So. All right,
1: all right. <laughs> there is a character that you meet in Termina, and he's around the first sort of dungeon area in the in the swamps. And he's a, a Deku butler, and he races you, and he mentions that you remind him of his son, who mysteriously disappeared, and he never saw him again. Um the first character that you meet in Termina when you uh, when you first start the game, well, first sort of thing that you encounter rather than a character is a tree that looks like it's crying and your fairy, Taddle, tells you that it looks like you. Um, when you meet the Deku butler, he tells you that he, he's reminded of his son uh, when he looks at you, when he races you. And the conclusion, sort of, the theory, the popular theory is that your deku form is actually the deku butler's son who's died uh, who's been killed by the skull kid the antagonist and um its soul was put into the mask that you're now wearing which is really kind of dark for a zelda game <laughs> um i mean all of the masks that you wear uh in majora's mask come from sort of a piece of of a character's soul in a way um but the other ones the other ones that you get throughout the game the Goron mask and the uh zora mask those those are characters who uh have died but you sort of know that and they've sort of died before you you got there like you're you're kind of you're not at fault you're not involved in any way in their death you're sort of releasing them by by putting on this mask and and uh, sort of fulfilling um, their duties for them, or uh, doing doing something that they meant to do, like saving saving the Goron village, etc. Um, but with the Deku, it's it's kind of your fault that that yeah. that character has died. Um, because it's died so that you you could be turned into this thing. Um,
0: That's a bit of a tough again. burden to put on, Link.
1: Yeah, a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, just to touch upon something that you you yourself um, mentioned just then, um, you, you mentioned how you were a big fan of um, David Lynch, um, mm-hmm. and obviously when you think of David Lynch, of course, the first two words that pop into mind is Twin Peaks um so I obviously assume Majora's Mask would be in the conversation itself but um like what other games do you kind of see as in terms of atmosphere anyways um see as the gaming equivalent of Twin Peaks like there is another game that comes to mind in terms of that and that's um Alan Wake
1: yeah um I've only played a little bit of Alan Wake um But it did give me that vibe, and I've heard that before. There's also Deadly Premonition, which is essentially meant to be like gaming's answer to Twin Peaks. And it's also another game that I haven't played that much of, but um, from what I have played of it, I can see where the the inspiration comes from.
0: There is that kind of general creepy atmosphere of Majora. Um, how, how, How did you get on with it? Because, like... I've, from what I've kind of heard, it is, like, genuinely scary at times.
1: Um, I don't remember times when it was genuinely
0: Okay, maybe, m- yeah, maybe maybe not genuinely scary, but it did feel like it was kind of creepy.
1: Yeah, um, I think, I mean, when I was a kid and I was playing it, the thing that terrified me the most, I mean, I guess the first boss would be considered quite scary uh especially if you are a kid because I think I was I was scared of that. Um now I just think it's really cool. But and it's kind of a shame because they've uh changed it a bit in the 3D S version I've heard. Um they've they've nerfed him a little bit. Um but his name was Odolwa and he was sort of this um huge tribal chanting flailing jumping guy who um you just encounter and you don't really expect it. It's just sort of shocking how, how massive and how like crazy he is. Um, And I guess he can be quite hard to beat when you're first encountering him just because of, of the sort of shock factor of, um, he just seems unpredictable and he's scary looking. And I think uh, I was quite terrified of him when I was a kid. And there's, there's, creepy things like uh there's Romani's ranch and there's there's aliens that try to abduct these cows and it's actually kind of spooky um when you look at them the music that plays and everything when you're trying to sort of shoot down these aliens that are trying to abduct abduct cows which on paper sounds funny but um in in practice it's it's quite spooky there's there's some ghosts in the game as well um when you encounter... One of the first masks that you can get, or that you'll probably get when you when you play the game, is um, Camaro's mask. And you get it by sort of finding this guy who's dancing around. And his dance in itself is a little bit spooky-looking. Um, he's dancing on, like, a mushroom-shaped rock. And it's... Uh, you go up to him, and he tells you about, like, his his troubles and he's sad because he died before he could spread his dance, <laughs> spread his dance around the world. So he gives you this mask, but he's just, which is funny, but I think all of the things that, all of the sort of quests and all of the issues, um, all the characters in Majora's Mask, um, on paper sound a little bit funny and cute, and they are, but there's always this sort of air of,
0: eeriness to them it's it's also bearing in mind of course um, it's a massively contrasting difference in tone compared to Ocarina of Time whereas Ocarina of Time is this big beautiful world to explore like like you did Um, Mm. there is that that massive kind of tone change in Majora in terms of how creepy it has gotten over Ocarina of Time
1: yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely feels like... I don't know if it's more of an adult game. It's not more of an adult game, but it's definitely... When you're a kid, it feels very profound. Whereas whereas in Ocarina of Time, I don't think anything happens that ever feels like, wow, this is heavy, man. Uh, <laughs> but in Majora's Mask, quite a lot of things do. Um, there's these children on the moon... <laughs> that you that you go and speak to and they say things like These friends that you have, are they really your friends? Or like you know the things that make you happy, do they make other people happy too? And it's just they're like these strange creepy little kids wearing your masks that you've collected throughout the game and they're just saying creepy things to you. And there's there's things like the Postman, you can you can read a note from him. I mean, it's there's this sort of desperation that builds in all of the characters over the three days. And that helps to build the sense of urgency too, because they just um sort of gradually become more desperate to flee this this impending doom. They're obviously all going to die because the moon's going to crash into them. And it's it's very heavy. It's I mean, whereas Ganondorf is just sort of he's foreboding, but he is just this one guy. And even though he's capable of doing terrible things to the land, it's just, it's not the same sense of, like, nobody Nobody in Hyrule is really like, ah, Ganondorf is coming, this is terrible, uh, what are we going to do? Whereas the entirety of Majora's Mask is just these people wondering what, what the hell they're supposed to do about this massive thing that they can't escape that's just inevitably going to kill them.
0: Just kind of looming over them, large.
1: Yeah. Literally. And, and the shift in, in music throughout the game, um, the shift in music throughout each day, it gets eerier and it gets quicker and sort of more desperate sounding as well.
0: To kind of touch um, touch back on the three-day cycle um, and the sense of um, adventure that you mentioned you enjoyed about Ocarina, um, how did that kind of um free day concept constrain if if it did at all in terms of adventure in the world of majora
1: um well often i kind of just because you can qu- you can go back at any time you can play the song of time and then you're back at the beginning um so you just do that really and there's not really much sense of urgency unless you were trying to complete something very important and oh. and you haven't finished yet um because that can be a bit of a pain in the ass. But generally, if I was going to just explore around the world, I would follow uh, sort of NPCs and see what they were doing throughout the three-day cycle because they, they all have their schedules and they you know where they're going to be. You learn where they're going to be. Um, and finding where they go sort of on the third day before the moon crashes is quite interesting. So I used to like to do that a lot.
0: Um let, let's touch upon the the kind of cast of the game. Um and so to speak, um Lig's quest for Navi. So yeah, that's kind of the main starting point for um the game.
1: Yeah, he's looking for Navi after the events of Ocarina of Time.
0: Hmm. Um So what what what's this link like compared to Ocarina of Time? That? Pit pits me on this link this kind of is it, is it a dark link from a darker link from Ocarina of Time? Well, it must be considering the tone of the game.
1: It's essentially just the same old link. Um, I mean, he's a child again. Uh, I, I guess you get the sense that he's not as naive, but he's essentially still just this uh, shell of a character that that is meant to be the the player's avatar. Um, I don't know. Link's never really felt like. Because he doesn't talk, he just has facial expressions. Um, he's always just felt like one of those characters—characters characters that's meant to be an avatar for the player. Even though I think in more recent games he's been given more of a personality.
0: Yeah.
1: And obviously, they've tried to give him a personality before in, in TV series, and that didn't work out so well. So I prefer to think he doesn't have one.
0: Excuse me, princess. <laughs> Hi, hi. Um, it's worth uh, bringing this up, by the way. Um, recent news that um Netflix is talking about bringing a a live action um is it live action Zelda series? I don't know, but like I
1: think it was meant to be, yeah.
0: Yeah. How how do you feel about that?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't feel too optimistic about it, just because. I mean, like I said, look at the last attempt at that. I, I get that it was the '80s and everything was kind of similar uh, in tone, but. I don't think that you can give Link a voice without ruining him.
0: And the fact they're kind of aiming it as a kind of. Maybe, actually, fuck it, I'm going to say that anyways. A kind of younger version of Game of Thrones as well.
1: That's uh, weird.
0: That is just silly, weird. That <laughs> is just weird. <laughs> Especially considering all the silly, silly violence and sex Game of Thrones goes through as well. and then yeah. And then trying to aim a live action Zelda series as it as a younger, uh, aimed Game of Thrones, just...
1: Yeah, all you're really saying there is we are making a fantasy series yeah. for children. <laughs> That's what you... When you take away all of the gratuitous violence and the sex and, like, the the very sort of adult themes from Game of Thrones, what you're left with is... Fantasy. ...a fantasy series. <laughs> just traditional fantasy. So why why try to call it Game of Thrones for children? <laughs>
0: Oh God! Oh, I my. don't think
1: Zelda could ever be Game of Thrones for children. It's uh, no,
0: no, no, and I just see it ending not well.
1: That's all right. They can, they can try. It's it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting attempt.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But it still won't end well. <laughs> um. So going back to the, um, the characters from Majora um Skull Kid. Hmm. Um. Big, bad, baddie, big, bad, um let, talk about him
1: right uh well he's he's sympathetic as antagonists go, because
0: mm. he
1: he was possessed by this mask, really, I mean, he wasn't that you get the sense that he wasn't that great of a guy to begin with, but he was also um sort of bullied by his peers, and when he put the mask on, he was suddenly given all this power. And the mask obviously had a lot of influence over his actions and what he did after that. Um, so it isn't really isn't really his fault that he's such a bastard.
0: <laughs> strong, very strong. <laughs> um, but no, um, he does like he is the one by wearing the mask. If I if I've got this right, he, by wearing the mask, he is the one though that brings this looming apocalypse. To to uh Termina.
1: Yeah, uh, he is. Um, when he puts the mask on, he is. He does uh, you know, call for the moon to sort of come down on everybody, and he he does kill that Deku kid to turn Link into a Deku as well. Um, he does some really shitty things, <laughs> but <laughs> I think in the end, he. I think you get the sense that... Maybe I'm wrong, too. Maybe I'm forgetting something. But I think you do get the sense that he wasn't responsible for his actions. And that while they were um, partially on him because of his his personality before he put on the mask, I think the mask basically has total control over him. And it's, it's a cursed and terrible mask.
0: And although it's not a character such... Um... I, I want to bring up the moon because like I saw this um, excellent um, comparison on Twitter just the other week before um, the VDS version of Majora came out. Um, basically, he looks like he's posing for a selfie and he just can't quite get the look right.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I saw that.
0: It, it was just a passing tweet. It was just... Um, that came in my timeline. I was just like, yeah, but that's, that's a bit apt. <laughs> um, Um... One other character that is perhaps infamous and I'm and I choose my words very carefully here, infamous with Majora is the debut of um if I if I do get this right, Tingle. And oh good sweet merciful Jesus, the art of Tingle is just as horrifying as it, as he looks realistically in Majora that he does in Wind Waker. <laughs>
1: I like Tingle. I always like Tingle.
0: Oh God, there's something wrong with you. Why? Has to be. There has to be. He looks Why? ter. He looks terrifying.
1: No, he's great. He's just this guy. He's like 35 years old. He wants to be a fairy, but he can't be a fairy.
0: Wait, he's 35.
1: Something like that. He's like, he's he's. I think you get the sense in Majora's Mask. There's a guy who runs this boat, this boat tour shop and i think tingle is meant to be his son and i think tingle's kind of meant to have a job but instead he goes off and sells maps and he he floats around in balloons cuz he wants to be a fairy
0: mm. so basically he's kind of your navy replacement for uh, for the game
1: well uh tattle is your fairy for the game ah uh, you do have a fairy called tattle um who was originally one of skull kid's uh one of two fairies that followed skull kid around um because they felt bad for him before he got the mask um and then tattle tattle in turn feels bad for you because the skull kid was a huge jerk to you and stole your horse and, and all that um and turned you into a tree uh <laughs> um, but yes yeah, tattle is your navi and you you don't you don't find navi uh which is kind of maybe one of the saddest things to me about Majora's Mask, and kind of one of the heaviest things, is that you've set off on this quest to find Navi, and you're pulled into this like alternate dimension uh, instead, and and you have to save this these people in this alternate dimension, and you never find your friend, and um, so he kind of fails his quest.
0: That that does kind of seem heavy when you put it like that. Um, there there is no conclusion on that aspect of the game enemies.
1: Yeah. That's just
0: a small handful of characters enemies that I've brought up, but like, what other characters kind of make Majora's Mask for you?
1: Um, I really, I mean, the most obvious ones are Anju and Cafe, and they have, they're this couple and they have the, the longest quest, the longest side quest in Majora's Mask, and it's sort of um... They've all they've all every character I think has been affected most characters have been affected by the Skull Kid in some way, the Skull Kid's presence. Um Cafe was turned into a child, basically. He has like the form of a child. And he was meant to be getting married to Anju uh within three days. And um nobody knows what's happened to him. He's gone missing, he's gone into hiding because he's turned into a child. And you have to sort of do this quest to uh solve it and get them back together and and everything and um just I spent a lot of time sort of following them around because they're just these fascinating characters. And there's characters like um the postman. And there's always there's a postman in Ocarina of Time as well. Uh I think he kind of runs around and you have to give him a bunny mask and Yeah. But uh in in Majora's mask you have this postman who's very, very dutiful dutiful and he um, he's obsessed with getting places on schedule. Um, he's obsessed with his schedule, and he sort of trains to perfect his timing. And even up until the very end, when the moon is literally about to crash down, you can find him in, in his post office, and you can find a note. Um, I think it's a note that he's written to himself, and it says... You know, um even if it's not written on the schedule, I want myself to flee. I have a request for my hard working self. I just want myself to flee. So he's he's writing to himself, putting on the schedule that he needs to flee um to yeah. save himself, even though it's it's not one of his duties. Um and I always thought that was kind of cute. I don't know. I I think that he has a lot of character. All of the characters in in Majora's Mask are very sort of they they have a lot of personality to them. Um, there's the mayor, who's sort of just helpless in the face of, like, all that's happening. He doesn't know what to do, and there's just, just these people arguing around him, one way or the other, about whether they should flee or not, or whether they, sh- they should still hold the festival, because uh, there's a festival in three days for um, this clock tower festival. Uh and yeah, uh, characters like that, I think make the game for me.
0: What else but majora um that you like that we haven't touched upon tonight?
1: I felt like i I feel like I've rambled a lot about a lot of the things that I like the most about Majora's mask. <laughs> I like sort of all of the little um secrets that you can find I mean, some that aren't so well hidden, but some that i mean if you there's there's a pawn shop, and if you go into a house. And you peek into this sort of telescope. They've got it pointed into the pawn shop because they're watching. They're watching to see what goes on there. And if you look through the telescope, you can just sort of sit there and watch everything that happens. Uh, the the customers that go in and out, and sort of so sort of the transactions that happen. And um, it's not very many. It's just like one or two really. But uh, it's it's just sort of interesting to feel like you're you're watching from far. And there's things like. In an inn, you can find this man who really needs toilet paper. <laughs> and if you go up to the toilet, he's gotten stuck, and he reaches his hand, his like, weird, ghoulish hand, out of the toilet. And every time I played the game, I tried... Every time I went through a cycle, I tried to go and, and give him his toilet paper because I felt really bad. <laughs> uh, you have to just give him paper, in general. You have to find paper. It's kind of a, a quest um cuz there's not a whole lot of paper products in the game. Uh but yeah, I just I just sort of like all of the small things. I just I just like wandering around and sort of at different times different places open up or different things are happening in different places. And it just felt like there weren't I guess altogether that many things that you could do, but it just felt like there were an infinite amount of things that you could sort of discover about this world if you spent enough time in it. Just all these sort of intricacies that you could tell the developers really, even though they were only working on it for a year, you could tell that they really sort of put love into what they were doing. It's
0: basically the Nintendo touch. It's that Nintendo polish, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm, It still stands true today, I would say. Um, for anything they do, of course, but um, it's perhaps more evident in Majora or even Ocarina. Would you say?
1: Um, I think I think it's it's pretty obvious in both of them. I would have to be biased a bit and say that maybe Majora's mask has a bit more charm and polish. No, nah, I don't know about polish. I but, don't know if I would say it has more polish, but yeah. definitely. Um, a different sort of touch. It mm. has like a different sort of charm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not wearing it properly.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I get what you mean. And, and
1: too
0: uh, much coffee. <laughs> can I have some, please? I'm seriously fading. Sorry. <laughs> <Sure.
1: laughs>
0: um, what did you not like about Majora? Um. Hmm.
1: That's more difficult. I don't think... oh. Oh, I didn't like, um, the snow temple. It was, it was shit. <laughs> that temple sucks. Uh, <laughs> I hated that place. Um, it's just really tedious and annoying, essentially. That's, that's the only thing I don't like. You have to be a Goron, which you have to roll around as this giant rock man, and he's slow, he's sort of lumbering, And you have to roll to get a lot of places, and it's very, very finicky. It's very hard sometimes to um, not fall off a cliff, and it just—it makes me angry. It it makes me just full out sort of ragey. Um,
0: Yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, does it kind of did Did you come up with new swears when it was frustrating you as bad as it did?
1: Probably, probably. Just um, I don't think I, I like playing very slow characters in general. I always feel really frustrated when I have to play like a big slow character in a game. Um, I prefer to sort of move faster, so I prefer Deku Link and regular Link and Zora Link because they were all sort of swift
0: uh, okay.
1: uh, and agile. Whereas the Goron is just annoying and lumbering and slow.
0: So um, if I put to the um... Top three Zelda games, what would you go for? Obviously Majora would be top, and I would would assume Ocarina would be second, but... So what Um, would follow?
1: Wind Waker, probably. Hmm,
0: okay. Wind Waker
1: was very, very good. Um, And I can't think of any other ones that I would prefer over Wind Waker, but... Yeah, I think it'd have to be Wind Waker.
0: We have honourable mentions in a second, but, like, Mm. um... And... But like, what would be your honorable Zelda mentions? Because like, we haven't talked too much besides Ocarina of Time or Majora.
1: I actually did really like Twilight Princess. Um, mm. I think, I think a lot of people didn't like it that much, but I I thought it was really fun. I had a lot of fun with that game. Um, I don't know if I liked the tone of it as much, but I thought it was a fun game. Um, Wind Waker, I loved. Wind Waker was very. I mean, obviously, it was. It might have been the I haven't played skyward sword actually but aside from that because i haven't played it so i can't really comment on it it was the prettiest um and mm. i just really liked that sort of i liked everything about wind waker it was, it was uh i don't know if i have much to say about it except that i really liked it um and also i liked playing um oracle of ages and oracle of seasons yeah. for the game boy
0: touch upon that why, why did you like those two games as um that, as much uh,
1: I really I liked the aesthetic of them I can't remember that much about them because it was a really long time ago that I played them I just remember very uh, really enjoying um really enjoying those games and I guess the I think the one that I remember the most is Seasons and I remember enjoying the Seasons mechanic and I think it was a little bit annoying at times but it it was a it was a good game Maybe I'm just remembering it as a good game. Maybe it was a shit game. But as I remember it, it was a good game.
0: Honorable mentions. Head up.
1: Right, okay. Um. Final Fantasy Nine. Uh, It was... When I was thinking about which game to choose for my favorite game, it was between Final Fantasy IX and Majora's Mask, and I went with Majora's Mask. Um, But Final Fantasy IX is one of my favorite games. Um, I think it has the best soundtrack of any of the Final Fantasy games by far. Um, It has my favorite cast of characters. Because they... I think... My issue with a lot of Final Fantasy games is that the characters, there's always at least one or two that are just really annoying and, and sort of boring, um, but with Final Fantasy IX I really liked all of them, and I really liked all of the environments. I just thought um, the aesthetic of the game was so, so pretty. Um, yeah. yeah, that that was definitely my favorite. I liked all of the bosses, I liked the story the most. It just by far my favorite. Um, then I think there's... Morrowind is another really sort of obvious one for me. I talk about Morrowind a lot.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Morrowind, I I actually got into after Oblivion. Um, after Oblivion came out. Uh, I played Oblivion for a long time, and then I played Morrowind. And I by far preferred Morrowind, and I still do. Uh, even over Skyrim. Um just for the, the sort of story. The story um, and the lore of the world, I think they did the most... They got the most out of the lore that they'd written with Morrowind. I think with Oblivion they strayed from it a bit, and with Skyrim they definitely did. Um, but with Morrowind, they they made use of the world that they'd sort of created with their previous games, with like Daggerfall and Arena. Um and they made just these really, really interesting sort of not even... I don't even know if they could be really villains. I guess they're the villains, but it's, it's sort of more of a gray area. Like with, um, like with Oblivion, the antagonist is essentially South Park Satan. And <laughs>
0: uh, well, that's a good way to sell it.
1: It is. It's, uh, it's South Park Satan. <laughs> and in Skyrim, just out of nowhere, there's dragons. And that's not really that imaginative to me. But in Morrowind you've got Dagoth Err and he's just this he's this crazy looking guy with this amazing mask. And um he sort of speaks in in these riddles and I don't know if they're riddles really, but he, he has an interesting way of speaking and he has an interesting background and I really liked that about him. Um and I really liked the sort of um, environments that it put you in. There's, it was, it was kind of varied. Like with a, with Oblivion, you were essentially always in just this grassy plain. Sometimes it was a bit snowier, but most of the time you're just sort of in this flat land. Um, but with Morrowind, there there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, character to the actual environment. And yeah, I spent something like six hundred hours playing that game.
0: <gasps> Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> like at most, I've spent like maybe eighty to a hundred and twenty hours on a Grand on Grand Theft Auto Four, but six hundred hours on a single player RPG.
1: Yeah. That, that's madness. I know. I really liked Morrowind.
0: Surely that's an over-exaggeration. $600, can't be that. No,
1: no. I, don't, I didn't know that that was that unusual, actually, but that's because I see some of the stats for like the amount of hours people play games, like Starbound even, um, and it's more than 600 Some some people, and that's surprising to me. But I, I thought that I was... It made me feel better about my 600 <laughs> I've seen the amount of hours some people have played TF two, like over a thousand, and I'm like, oh, in six hundred. That that makes more sense, right? But I don't know.
0: Mm, <laughs> now, it, it, I, it,
1: now I feel guilty.
0: It, <laughs> it does uh, put you off the hook just a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It just a little bit, not entirely, but just a little bit.
1: <laughs> Madness.
0: Other madness. Um, yeah. Sorry, go on. I'm sure you have other honorable mentions.
1: I think that's it, really. I think, I mean, I do really enjoy, um, Metal Gear Solid Three. Mostly.
0: <sighs> I could talk to you all day about Metal Gear Solid Three. I really could. My heart has just fluttered at that mention of Metal Gear Solid Three.
1: <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Three is one of my favorites, purely because of, actually, uh. Yeah, purely because of the boss fight with the end. Ah. I think the end is probably my favourite boss in any game.
0: That That is uh, a fantastic uh, example of why Metal Gear Solid 3 is a uh, fantastic game. And I'd be more than happy to talk to you more about Metal Gear Solid 3 in more detail, but that's already happened this past season, so I won't. <laughs> um, so if you want to listen to that, go listen back. But, um... Yeah, Metal Gear Soul Three. Um, it, like, there is another, like, me- I'm babbling now. This is what happens when you go to sleep. Metal Ge- me- Metal Gear Soul Three. Um, has the best boss fights in the series, bar none. Because, like you said, there is the end, but also mm-hmm. there is this, there is the sorrow as well, and there is that kind of yeah. psychological aspect here. Oh man.
1: I forgot about the sorrow. I don't know how. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I um, yeah, like, yeah, the
1: boss as well. <sighs> yes. Yeah.
0: Could, could could talk all the same all day about the boss, not just the boss fight, but the entire character of the boss.
1: Yeah. Just amazing. It's it's yeah, um, but as well, uh, Metal Gear Solid, the first Metal Gear Solid game has really good bosses as well like psycho mantis and of
0: course
1: i did really like um cyborg ninja as well
0: it's worth knowing that one and three have this these fantastic fights but two two i like don't get me wrong i absolutely adore two until like the day i die Hmm. but the boss and and i say this as someone who is basically scarred of that game for life (laughs) <laughs> because of the latter aspects of that game and more yeah. specifically a glitching skull face kernel
1: i have a t-shirt of that yes oh, sorry. you sorry i have to one second can i like pause this for a sec
0: yes you can i
1: have to answer the door hello
0: yeah sorry sorry about that <laughs> you're all right you're all right to be honest, I'm quite glad you broke away when you did. Because then I was going to tell you off about that shirt. Because I did see a photo of that shirt.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: and it still scares me shitless to this day.
1: I'm sorry, but it was a good part of the game. It's the best part of the game.
0: What? No.
1: It is. It. <sighs> you just need some scissors. <laughs> Sixty-one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, I even saw a photo of that uh, skull faced colonel today as an avatar in Neil and it still scares me shitless. (laughs) It genuinely does, Molly. You don't know how it feels. I'm a 24 year old man. I saw that when I was. When was it again? It was 2002, so it was. It was when I was 11.
1: It still scares me. You got some deep seated Metal
0: Gear Solid 2 issues, man. I do, I do. It still haunts me to this day. (laughs) um but yeah um basically um we were saying um the boss fights aren't really as good compared to one and three
1: no i don't remember them very well um they're not really that's
0: they're not really that spectacular no (laughs) which kind of perhaps proves your point of not remembering them very well
1: yeah and raiden isn't very fun to play as either no,
0: uh funny thing about that. I was just actually watching um the other day. Um, have you watched um the postmodern Super Bunny Hop that?
1: Um, no.
0: Um, it kind of does shed uh, a brand new light on riding. No, I I didn't mind riding as much um when I first played Metal Gear Solid Two because that was my first game in the series, but um. But I, d- I, d- I say that um, I really did want to play a snake first time, but I didn't really know. Um, the game kind of gives you this kind of multi-choice thing, and depending on the answer, it immediately stick you into the big cell rather than the tanker. Yeah. Um, but Superbunner helps um, post-mortem on um, Metal Gear Solid 2. It does kind of give um, new meaning, the riden it, it sheds them in a new light, I would say. Um, I I would suggest giving that a watch, like if you
1: have,
0: if you have time, because it is about half an hour, but it is worth checking out.
1: I may do that. I I remember reading quite a long time ago, actually. Uh, someone wrote like an entire, I think it was like their college thesis or something, like just a massive college essay on um, Metal Gear Solid Two and Raiden. Ah. (laughs) And just some some sort of. I'll have to look it up again and read it again, even though it was really long. Uh, I might link it to you oh, if I can find it.
0: Yeah, please do. Um, if you can find it, it, was it yeah. It's actually
1: really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like if you can find it, please send it my way. am more than happy to take a read. Yeah. Um, but just please don't do it if it has a picture of skullface colonel.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Top three games uh, you've ever played. What would they be?
1: Um, I'm gonna be boring and repeat myself. It would just, it would really just have to be uh, Majora's Mask, Final Fantasy IX, and Morrowind.
0: Let's touch upon Starbound, mm-hmm. um, how is that going?
1: It's going really well, we just, uh, on the 20th January we released um, our first stable update in quite a while, we were doing nightly builds um, for months and months um, that you had to opt into but we finally pushed all those changes to stable, which makes a massive difference really in the game.
0: The success so far of Starbound, it's, it's quite lovely to see. Um, like, how how have you found, how has Chucklefish found this success so far?
1: Um, well, I guess it's a bit daunting, but um, it's been really good because we've been able to move uh everyone over to the UK uh who wasn't already here. And we've been able to sort of just work more efficiently and more effectively, and we've we've. It's been helpful having so much um, active feedback all the time. Uh, We have a very active and sort of really passionate community. And they don't let us get away with anything. (laughs) So (laughs) if they don't like something, we know. Um, But I guess it has uh, led to us changing a lot of things as well. like And spending more time than we would have on a feature or... Changing a feature that wasn't well received, but yeah, um, it's worked out really well for us.
0: The game itself is on uh, Steam Early Access. Um, how, how have you found Early Access so far?
1: We've had a lot of success with it, um, and I think it's been really useful for us to have the constant feedback and everything. Um, but I wouldn't—I don't think I would recommend it to everybody. I think it would have to be. I, I mean i think I think it's been said a lot lately too probably um but I think it largely depends on like a project on on the scope of a project um and the situation of the team itself whether whether early access is right for for a project because there's a lot of stress that comes with it as well there's a lot of pressure um
0: to deliver. Obviously, um, your big thing, of course, uh, as, you, as you mentioned uh, at the top of the show is um, community. So, like, how, how have you found the kind of building, building the community around um, Starbound?
1: It's been really fun. Um, I think we've been sort of lucky, I guess, and it hasn't, I mean, when I came on board, we already had sort of a, a large following just because, the same audience it's sort of the same audience that is into Minecraft and Terraria um they're always sort of eager for a new game of that genre to play uh so they're always looking out for one and it wasn't that difficult to get people on board with the idea and so um it's sort of built itself ever since it's just been a matter of maintaining that but it's it's been a lot of fun. We have a really really active uh modding community as well who um make things for the game that we haven't even thought of. So it's it's really interesting to see what people can do with it.
0: Yeah, just just name some of that community here like some name some of the mods that have been uh added to the game that are that, that the community are coming up with.
1: Um there is a mod called Skyrails that we actually added to the game officially. Um that adds these sort of rails that you can build and then slide across the map with them. You can use them to travel sort of more quickly. Um, there's a bees mod that lets you keep bees, which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there, there are some really cool, uh, mods that add new races. There's some that add really awesome mechs. Um, There's because we have an instrument system in the game where you can play uh, songs using ABC files. Um, There are mods that add like a shitload of songs to the game uh, for people to play. So, yeah, it's it's really been interesting. Uh, There's of course a lot of like there's some weird mods out there. There's some weird like hentai mods (laughs) and things. Um, But yeah, it's it's been really
0: cool another, another uh, thing about Starbound that was announced um, a long time ago in fact, uh, I don't know how, how much you can talk about it now, but um, is the Playstation version um, of, mm. coor- of course the PC version will, will have to come first, but like um, I, do, do you see that coming out this year or is that going to be wait and see until we get the PC version out? Uh,
1: I'd have to say wait and see until we get the PC version out
0: one other game that uh, Chucklefish has announced, um, as well as um, Starbound a bit, uh, continuing development, is um, Wayward Tide. So um, talk talk a little bit about Wayward Tide.
1: I can't say a lot about Wayward Tide because it's so early in development, mm. um, and we're sort of we're we're keeping it a bit quiet. We've learned a bit from Starbound because we were very open about Starbound from the start. That we're that we're a bit quiet about. Wayward Tide just to to sort of protect it a bit, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's coming along. We're 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 working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the focus right now um with the entire team is on Starbound. Um but yeah, Wayward Tide is is sort of a whole different thing. It's it's more it's much more of a a solid adventure game with a beginning and an end it's not it's nothing like Starbound at all
0: yeah there's nothing open ended yeah when do you think we'll start here a lot more of Wayward Tide then
1: um I can't say for sure probably probably I'd say later in the year I would just say look for it maybe later in the year fair enough news on it anyway not released game
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so
0: yeah Starbound Out now, Steam Relax is coming soon, I guess, to uh, PlayStation 4 and PS Vita. Um, Full release this year?
1: Mm, Wait and see. I am Molly Goss, and that's it. (laughs) Thanks
0: for listening to my favourite game. Next week, Ed Stern on Half-Life. Until next week, bye bye.